Right, if you would open your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel chapter 8. And uh, children up to the age of three it can go to the back at this time. We're continuing our march through 1 Samuel. We are going to be in verses 10 through 22 today. So 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 10 through 22. All right, it says here, so Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. He said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. He will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground, to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and the best and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. He will take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flocks, and you shall be his slaves. And in that day, you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. Verse 19. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, No, but there shall be a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us. And go out before us and fight our battles. And when Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey their voice and make them a king. Samuel then said to the men of Israel, Go every man to his city. Amen. That's the word of God. All right, so just to catch you up, maybe um, I know we've all slept since last Sunday. We may have forgotten what was preached on. And maybe uh, you're coming in for the first time into this series and we're starting at this point. And so I'd like to back up just a little bit to bring us to why, you know, where we're, where we're at. Um, basically, what we've been talking about, what we talked about last Sunday was the idolatrous behavior of the nation of Israel. Uh, they have gotten to a point where uh, Samuel is getting old and Samuel's sons do not follow the ways of the Lord. So they came to Samuel and they said, listen. We need for you to appoint somebody over us. We want a king, and we want a king like the other nations around us. We want to be ruled by an earthly king. And so um, the Lord, the Samuel goes to, in prayer to the Lord about this. The Lord answers Samuel and says, go ahead and give them a king. And this, we find out, was a sinful request because it was um, basically them chasing after another, another idol. And we know this because uh, instead of the Lord leading them, they were rejecting the Lord and they were trying to put someone who was uh, basically an earthly, a human king over them. So this is an outright rejection of the eternal king of glory for an, for an earthly king. And just to back up a little bit, let me read a couple of verses from um, earlier in chapter 8 so that you can get this context in order. This is verses 7 and 8. It says, And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me. And that was the issue. 
uh, in wanting an earthly king, they were rejecting the Lord as the eternal king of glory, as their rightful king. They were rejecting him and they wanted a king to be over them. And then it says this, according to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they also are doing to you. That's the idolatry that we're talking about here, exchanging the creator for a creation, right? That's what Romans chapter one is all about. Those who are depraved, those who have been given over to their sins. And the reason why they have been given over to their sins is that they have decided to worship the creation rather than the creator. The only thing that we are called to worship is the creator. That's the only thing that, that, that we should worship. We should never worship anything that has been created by him. If we bow down and worship those things that have been created by the creator, then we are committing idolatry. No matter how good it is, no matter how well we think it is, um, it is against the word of God to put something in the place of God. Right. So that's where the nation of Israel stands right now. They want to replace God as their king with an earthly king. And this is this fits along with their history. The verses I just read you. God points to their behavior from Egypt as God led them out of Egypt. Egypt, uh, Israel has always wanted to do what was right in their own eyes. They were slaves in Egypt. They were suffering. They cried out to God. And the Bible tells us that God heard their cries and he went to save them. He brought them out of Egypt. But it didn't matter. They still complained against the Lord. They still wanted to do what they wanted to do. See, this is no different in our passage today. Israel wants an earthly king to lead them. Why? Because they want to be like the other pagan nations. They felt like they needed something tangible to follow, something they could see, something they could feel. They felt like if I could see this king and I could feel this king and if I knew he was there and he was present and I have this figure that I can trust in, then everything will be okay because I can see that somebody's looking out for my own good. But the fact is, we know that there are no perfect earthly rulers. And this is God's warning to the people of Israel. You are asking for something you are going to regret. Because the fact is, is that as God is their earthly king, he was looking out for their good. But this earthly king would only be looking out for his own good, as we would come to find out. See, their actions here are no different than when Moses left the Israelites alone on on Mount Sinai. The people then, they formed a golden calf in the image of God. Why? So that they could have something tangible to worship, to bow down to. They were making an image of God so that they could worship him. Why? Because Moses had disappeared. They thought he was gone. And they said, no, we need something to worship. We need something to follow. You see how that sin continues to be with them all the way to this time in 1 Samuel. They keep on repeating that same sin of idolatry. When they asked for an earthly king... They were asking for another golden calf. Something that could be formed. Something that could be seen. Something that could be tangible. Something that they could follow. See, today, 
we're going to see what happens when people do not take the Lord's word to heart, but instead they follow their own desires in pursuit of what they want for themselves. And there's going to be a lot of talk about the heart today. You see, there's an old saying that says that the heart wants what the heart wants. We've all heard that before. As if well, we've probably used that as an excuse before. A lot, of the, a lot of the times that's used whenever you fall in love with somebody and it's just like, it doesn't matter. I, I, I love that person and I want that person no matter, no matter what cost there is. The heart wants what the heart wants. And you know something? Sometimes the Lord gives it, gives it to us. Sometimes the Lord allows a heart to have what he wants to teach us an important lesson about him and ourselves. And that's what I'll be preaching on today. I'll be preaching on how the heart cannot be trusted and how we should not let our heart lead our decision making. All right. So here are three points that I'm going to give you today. Then I'll expound on them. Following the heart causes a lot of heartache and pain. We're going to see that in verses 10 through 18. Then in verses 19 through 20, we're going to see that the heart is hard-headed and selfish. And in verses 21 to 22, we are going to see that when we follow our heart over God's word, the Lord disciplines us to bring us back to him. All right. So let's go through these points. Following the heart causes a lot of heartache and pain. See, to follow the heart means to let your emotions and your feelings guide you over and above what the word of God has, what God, the word of God has commanded you to do or not to do. All right. That, that's what I mean by follow the heart. So you're taking your own feeling, your own intuition, your own wisdom, and you are following that instead of looking at God's word and checking your heart against that. Right. Instead of letting uh, the word of God lead you, you are letting your heart lead you. See, the thing about the heart is that it must always remain tamed to the word of God. There is a lot of good in our heart. There is a lot of things that we can benefit from our heart. There is a lot of wisdom that we have from making mistakes in years past. Our seeing others make mistakes. There's a lot of things that we gain from life experience. So I will not say that there is no good in the Christian heart. Obviously, there is because God has redeemed that heart. But it should never lead us. It should never take the place of God. And it should always be tamed by the word of God. See, the Israelites had been led out of Egypt by the Lord and they had been given the promised land. And this they were given even though they were a stiff necked people and rebellious people towards God all along. They had been given blessing upon blessing upon blessing that they did not deserve. Does that remind you of anybody? Amen, right? It, reminds, it, it should remind you of yourself. Blessing upon blessing upon blessing that you did not deserve. And, and they continue to look at God and, and reject him for other things. They, begin, they continue to reject the creator for those things that he created. See, the Israelites had a bad habit of, of doing this, rejecting God and trusting in their own intuition. Trusting in their own heart, especially when things got difficult. When things got difficult, you can see how they just went astray. When they were in the desert, for example, they complained about how God provided for them. God gave them what they needed. 
They were in the middle of nowhere, living in tents. And God provide, miraculously provided food and water for them. How did he do this? Well, with the dew in the morning and, and, and the manna that was on the ground. But what happened with the Israelites? Soon enough, they got tired of eating the same thing. They must have been Baptists, right? <laughs> they got tired of eating the same thing. And what did they do? They started to complain. They started to complain against the Lord. So much so that they wanted to go back to Egypt as what? As slaves. They wanted to go back to Egypt as slaves because at least there they said to themselves, we ate what we wanted. They were given over to the Egyptians. They were slaves to the Egyptians. But one thing was good. They ate what they wanted. See, sometimes we do that with our own personal lives. We forget we were slaves to sin. And we complain about that and we want to look backwards. We want to say, I want to go back to the way I was. I want to go back to living as a slave because at least back then I could do what I wanted. But now, now you need to realize that God has given you everything you need. It may not be what you're asking for, but that is a grace from God that you're actually not getting what you're asking for. You're actually getting something better than that. You're, giving some, you're getting something that God has given to you out of his grace and his wisdom. See, forget about the fact for the Israelites that they were free and also that they were becoming one of the strongest nations of, of, of people around them. They would rather be slaves who had everything provided for them. And even now, as we read here in 1 Samuel chapter 8, they are tired of the Lord's decision, decisions over them. They're just tired of it. They're like, no, we don't want the eternal king of glory. We don't want the all-sovereign God. We don't want the all-knowing God over us. We don't want the all-holy God. Just give us an earthly king. And part of me, when I look at that passage, part of me is, is thinking, well, it's not that they just don't completely trust the Lord. I mean, that is part of it. But the other half is maybe they want a king that they can rule over, a king that they could manipulate, a king that they could hide things from, because we all know that there is no hiding things from the Lord. So even now, they are tired of the Lord's decisions over their lives, and they think they know better about who should lead them. How many times do we do this to the Lord? We're tired of the Lord's decisions over us, so to speak. We're tired of his word ruling over our lives, telling us what we can and we can't do. We don't want that. We want to do what's right in our own eyes. We lose sight of that. When we sin, what are we doing? It's idolatrous behavior because we are sinning against the word of the Lord. We are sinning against what God has, to has, to has told us in his word. We think we know better than God. See, instead of God leading them, they wanted this king to rule over them. And the Lord warns them of what an earthly king will do. Listen to these words. He said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. Number one, he will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots. In other words, when you take... The, the sons of a family back in that day, you are taking everything. You are taking everything. That was the way they were able to make a living through the males of the family. 
That's the way things got done at home. They were, he, they would t- he would take their sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. He will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground and some to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. By the way, not only will he take your sons to do all this, God tells the Israelites he will also take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. And also, not, he's not only going to take your children, he's also going to take the best of your fields and your vineyards and your olive orchards, and he will give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it over to his officers and to his servants. He will take not only your kids, not only your, your fields, but then he will also take your male servants from you and your female servants from you and the best of your young men and your donkey and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. That's the warning they get. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of when I was a teenager and I told my mom I wanted to do something and I was I was set on doing it. And she warned me about what it would cause me in the future. And I said, I still want to do it. Right. Then I went through it and I learned and I said, I wish I would have never done that before. I wish I'd have never got into that. I wish I would have never done that. God is talking to the Israelites. He's speaking to them through Samuel and saying, this is what's going to happen if I if you get what you are asking for. So I, I like to summarize things just so that we can have a good understanding of what God is saying to the Israelites here. In other words, All these blessings that the Lord has given to the Israelites directly, all these things that are listed out, the the sons, the daughters, the grains, the servants, the, the flocks, everything, all the blessings that the Lord has given to them as their king. Well, all these blessings will become the possession of their earthly king. Right. It's it's basically transfer of power. Oh, you don't want to worship me as your God? You want to worship an idol instead? Okay, all of my blessings that I have given to you are going over to this idol. They're going to be taken from you, and he will enjoy it instead of you. And in exchange, by the way, you will receive trouble, you will receive heartache, and you will receive pain. That's what's going to happen when you give yourself over to an idol. See, the most troubling part of what the Lord tells them is in verse 18. He says, in that day, and I love that verse because he's not saying if this happens, the Lord is exposing what's going to happen. In that day, you will cry out because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourself. So When it happens, when you realize that all your blessings have been taken away, they have been given over to this earthly king. When you in that day, when you realize it, you must realize, number one, that you're the one who chose this. I'm, I'm speaking to you right now. I'm giving you a warning. You're the one who chose this, number one. But number two, I, the Lord, will not answer you in that day. You will cry out to me and I will not answer. See, he will give them what they are asking for. 
As I said in the opening of the sermon, the heart wants what the heart wants. Sometimes the Lord gives it to us. So he will give them what they're asking for so that they can learn that's not what they need. Listen, it's not as if the Lord has gone back on his covenant promise. That's something that I've been really harping on through this book. God's covenant promise is that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That's something that he has given to us through his son, right? Those who have faith in his son, they will never be deserted by the Lord. So this is not what's happening here. God's not going back on his covenant promise, but this is, this is what's happening. They will pay for the consequences of their sin. And that's what the Lord is exposing. That's what he's saying. He's saying, if you choose this idol over me, your blessings will be taken away. In return, you will receive heartache and pain. And when you cry out to me, I will not answer you. I will allow you to go through what you need to go through to realize that's not what you needed in the first place. Tell you what, that's some strong stuff. That's hard. I don't know about you, but that speaks directly to my heart. See, in the Hispanic culture, parents let their kids do things to an extent that could cause heartache and pain. Why? Well, there's this popular phrase, so that they can learn, right? And I think all cultures have this, but I, I know full well in the Hispanic culture, you go and do something after your parents have already told you not to do it, and you hurt yourself, and they'll console you. They'll come and console you and everything, but they'll be like, okay, so you can learn, so you don't do that again. And, and that is done over and over and over. You know a child is going to get into trouble. You know a child is going to get hurt, but you let them do it so that they can learn a lesson and they will stop doing it. As a Christian, sometimes the most humbling thing we can experience is receiving what our heart desires. Why? So that we can learn. So that we can learn and so that we can realize that's not what we needed. This is especially true when our heart wants something that is contrary to scripture. So whatever is on your heart this morning, I want to bring it home to you. Whatever is on your heart this morning, I pray that it aligns with scripture. I pray that scripture is guiding you in what your heart wants. Because if it is not, what you have in store for you is heartache and pain. And you will learn. If you are the Lord's, you will learn that's not what you needed in the first place. Also, verses 19 through 20, we see that the heart is hard-headed and selfish. See, one thing about the heart is that it's difficult to deny. And it is, that is a strong urge. Everything you've ever learned in your life, every, all the experiences you have had, they are strong to deny. Why? Because what the heart wants is selfish. And, and we have to acknowledge it's coming from us. We, we are the problem. We are selfish people. And, and that's why there's many scriptures about how we need to deny ourselves, 
take up our cross and follow him, right? Mark 8, 34. There's a reason why deny yourself is in there because that's part of the Christian experience. Our heart still wants selfish things to this day. And we have to deny ourselves. And we have to seek the things of the Lord. And, and so we have this difficulty in life where we, we want what we want, but we also know on the other hand, it has to align with what God has commanded us in his word. But we are selfish people and we want what's best for ourselves. Well, the best that you can receive and the best that you can get is abiding by the word of God. Because the heart cannot be trusted. I read this passage last week, but I brought it back into this sermon just so that we can continue to hear it and we can know that it's true. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? In other words, who can know it? Who can trust it? Well, there's only one that can trust it, and it's the one who can see the heart. Right? It's the Lord. Since the Lord is the only one who looks at the heart, then he is the only one who can understand it. That's, that's a very humbling thing to say, I cannot understand my own heart. It's a very humbling thing to experience. I cannot trust myself. You see, because we have a hard time trusting other people. And we feel like, well, I can trust myself. no. I cannot trust myself. Listen, that will be the case until I die. Until God takes me home. Until I don't have to deal with sin anymore. I cannot trust my heart and neither can you. Case in point, look at the Israelites here in chapter 8. They want this earthly king. They've been told it's a sin. They've even been warned about the consequences, not what might happen, but what will happen. That, that's the difference. You see, when we were younger growing up, or those of us who are parenting young kids now, you, the best you can do is tell them what might happen. The Israelites were told what will happen. They were warned about the heartache and the trouble that this earthly king or all the kings they would have over them would cause. And yet, they still wanted it. What did I tell you? The heart wants what the heart wants. Look at verse, verses 19 and 20. It says, but the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. Just like they rejected the eternal king of glory. You see their participation in this? They refused to obey. And they said, no, but there shall be a king over us that we also may be like the nations, all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Man, that is, look at that language. That is harsh language towards the Lord. They're saying, no, we understand all this that might happen to us. Again, they know better. It might happen to us. Even though the Lord is saying, no, this will happen. No, we can change things. 
Oh, it, it won't happen to me. I know better. I know how to get out of things. You know, all these different things that go through our head. But instead, instead of, of, of God leading them, they, they tell God this. No, we want a king to judge us. Why? Because, God, we don't trust your judgment. Uh, we want a king to go out before us. Why? Because we don't touch, trust your leadership. Oh, we want a king to fight our battles because we don't trust in your strength. Now you see the, the depravity of this sin and how harsh it was towards God. Their refusal to heed the warning from the Lord only highlights the fact that they thought they knew better than he. And they were hard-headed. They didn't believe or trust his word. Instead, what did they believe? Well, they believed their heart. And they believed the fact that they could control their own destiny. Now, here's a question. How often do we do this? It's easy, to look, it's easy for us to look at the Israelites and we're like, man, what's wrong with these people? It, we should look at ourselves the same way and ask the same question. What's wrong with us? What's wrong with us is that we have a corrupted heart. Even though it's been redeemed, even though it's been changed, we still deal with sin. And therefore, we cannot trust our heart. It always has to be tamed by the word of God. See, when we look at the Israelites, we see this again, this continual sin. And it should be a warning towards us. But you know what we do? We look at them and we say, well, we won't be like them. We'll be different. It will be different for us. No, it's the same thing. If you listen to progressive people, uh, you know, I don't, I don't even want to use the term progressive Christianity. There is a term out there, but it's not Christianity. But if you listen to progressive people or even spiritual people, you'll hear a lot of language about the heart. They incorporate that into their religion. It's like scripture and the heart are guiding them. Many times scripture is below the heart. You know how I know that? Because they accept sinful lifestyles. They accept sinful behavior. And they accept it on the grounds of, well, this is the way I think, and then therefore God would think this way. Or I don't worship a God who could do this, this, and this. Right? So you have these progressive or spiritual people, so to speak, and you see this taking place in their lives. They may acknowledge the word of God, but what do they really bow down to? Well, they bow down to what the heart wants over what the word says. Well, what do you get when you do that? Well, as a result, the God that they worship, not the big G, the little G, right? The idol that they have formed in their minds and in their hearts, the God that they have worshiped is what? He's unholy. He's weak. And he's submissive to their own will. But we know that's not the God, the big G, of the Bible. As Christians, we must trust the Lord to lead us to fight our battles. We must trust the Lord above our own hearts 
There, it should never be the other way around. Proverbs 3 says this, verses 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with what? With all of your heart. Man, I love that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment for or to your bones. Man, great scripture. Trust, do not trust your heart, but trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. That's what we should do as God's people. See, although our hearts cannot be trusted on their own, they can be guided by the word of the Lord. That's that's what the heart was created to do. To trust God, to be guided by him, to love him, to serve him. Yeah, we have to deal with this corruption that we have. And that's why we cannot let our heart lead us. Must always be tamed by the word of God. You know, the Bible is not like an an OSHA regulatory manual. I I have, you know, I I spent over 20 years in the profession of health and safety. I've had to look at this huge manual for all of those 20 years. I think that's why I'm wearing glasses now. Between reading the Bible and that manual, it's done some work on my eyes. But this regulatory manual has everything you need in there for, uh, for workplace regulatory requirements. And so what you do is that you go out, let's say you go out, you do an audit, you come back and you refer back to that manual. Make sure that what you are finding, most of the time you'll find something that is contrary to what the regulation says. So you'll come back, look up the regulation, have your, have your basis for what, violate, what, was, what regulation was violated, and then you kind of go from there. And let me tell you, and I, Brother Sammy can agree, Brother David can agree, and if I'm missing any other safety professional in here, they can agree that it gets monotonous going back to that manual and looking up stuff. Why? It's just information. It's just regulatory requirements. It's just dry. I mean, soon enough, you, you start to understand it. You start to remember what some of the regulatory requirements are. But it's just information. You know, the Bible is not that way. And that's not what I mean when I say you should let the word of God tame your heart. You see, the Bible is not a regulatory requirement that we go back forth and we, listen, we, we go back to, we look at all the regulations and we're making sure we're living out those regulations The Bible is a light unto our path, right? The Bible is is the living word of God. The Bible revives us. It encourages us. It gives us hope. It lets us know what pleases God. It guides us. It helps us. I can go on and on and on. But it is there to protect us from the desires of our own hearts. That's why it's important for you to get the Bible in you. Right? It's important for you to get the word of God in you. 
It's important for you to be shepherded and guided by the word of God so that when your heart is speaking louder than the word, you can bring up scripture. You can bring up God's truth to tame it. Because sometimes, man, the heart is just this wild horse, bronco, whatever, that no one can ride. It wants what it wants, and it's hard to control. But the word of God, the word of God is always the answer for it. See, what we need as God's people is we need for God to create in us a clean heart. And he does this through sanctification. Right? We get a new heart when we become believers. But as we continue to live and trust in the Lord, learn from our sins, repent of our sins, we are sanctified by the Lord. We learn to trust him more and to trust ourselves less. So we need a clean heart that will love what he loves and will hate what he hates. And then the last point is this. When we follow our heart, the Lord is sure to discipline us. Notice that the Lord allows their requests. He he gives it to them. But at the same time, he never went back on what would happen to them. He, He never went back on it. What he said would happen, it happened. They would suffer and he would not save them from the tyranny of their earthly kings. Oh, the Israelites, we will see as we continue to go through 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, we're going to see their suffering or the suffering that their earthly kings caused them. See, but all of us are in the same boat. We're, We're in the same situation as them. What do I mean? Well, we have all made decisions based on what our heart wanted over what the word of God has commanded us. We have all done that. You know why I know that you've done it? Because I've done it. It's part of our human experience. It's part of our rebellious nature. And and guess what is happening to us? We have either paid or we are paying the consequences of those decisions today. I mean, I can go into details and list out several different things that we've compromised on the word of God and and we're paying for it today. There, There are marriages right now that are just hard, difficult, and there's a lot of pain and heartache in them. Right? Because we decided to do what we wanted to do in that decision. There are a lot of families that are going through heartache and pain because we rejected God's word into our family and we raised raised our, our kids upon earthly principles. Now there's a lot of stuff going on there. Maybe the job that you have now, you've compromised on your beliefs and how how much it would take you away from God's people and God's word, and now you're having difficulty and pain in that. Maybe you're in a relationship now before you get married, and you're already going through a lot of difficulty and pain as it relates to God's word and holiness. You haven't even really gotten started in your relationship, and you're having this type of trouble. That should be a warning to you. See, we're all in that same boat. We're all paying for those consequences. Now, if I were to stop there, that would be all bad news and we'd walk out of here just sad. But the good news is that the Lord uses all of that to discipline us and to bring us back to him. To keep us close to him. 
Why? So that we can learn. The heartache and pain we have endured from following our own hearts, it should teach us that we must never trust our hearts over the Lord. If you are pursuing holiness, and as a Christian, I believe you are, I pray that you are, you must understand this. The pursuit of holiness is found in walking in obedience to the word of God instead of fulfilling the desires of your own hearts. I want to leave you with this. This is a, um, a song, lyrics to a song, Trust and Obey. I thought it was a fitting way to finish this sermon. Listen to these words. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. Let us do his good will. He abides with us still and with all who trust and obey. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toil he doth richly repay. Not a grief or a loss, not a frown or a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. But we never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay for the favor he shows and the joy he bestows are for them who trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends us, we will go. Never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Let us pray.